Hey, Mark. Hey, Katie. Hey, you want to do a podcast? Yeah. Sweet. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the Unforget Yourself Show, where we use the power of woo and the proof of science to help you identify your blind spots, get over your own bullshit, <gasps> so that you can do the fucking thing you actually want to do. Absolutely. I'm Mark. And I'm Katie. And we're the founders of Unforget Yourself and the creators of the Unforget Yourself system. Look, being a business owner is tough. Yeah. With vulnerability and with humor, mm-hmm. we'll be sharing with you the real stories behind the success of those brave and crazy enough to start their own business and to show you that you're not alone. You're not. Well, from the accidental entrepreneur to the laser-focused CEO, we have honest conversations about how they got to where they are today. We talk about the challenges that they faced and what they're currently dealing with in real time on their roller coaster journey. Along the way, we want to show you that it's, it's you. You are the most important asset in your business. Yeah, you are. So let's cut the bullshit and start the show. Enjoy. Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. Today, we have Nikki Hutchinson today. Today, we have Nikki Hutchinson today. I like to elaborate, make it clear what day it is. <laughs> Nikki runs a marketing agency that provides smart marketing solutions and actionable advice to women who want to enjoy growing an audience and building a profitable, a profitable business online. She also delivers training and online programs for entrepreneurial women. Uh, Nikki, thank you. Thank you for being here and for um, staying with me as I stumble through a basic introduction. Thank you so much for having me, Katie. It's lovely to see you. Oh, you're welcome. Well, I would love to start out with you sharing with our audience a bit more about who you are, who you serve, and what you do. Of course. So I have a background in traditional advertising. I did my first work experience in an ad agency when I was 14 and just completely fell in love with the psychology side of things, how to get into the minds of consumers and get them to take certain actions and persuade them to do things. So I went on to study business and did my postgrad in advertising. And then I went to work in agencies. And I did that for many years um, until I had my, well, before I had my second child, actually. So I had my first child and I don't know about in the US, but in the UK, agencies are not the most welcoming place for mothers. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yep. So yeah, lots of overtime, lots of travel, all that jazz, which was pretty difficult. Um, And then... I had a really exceptionally difficult experience, which we will go into, I'm sure. Uh, So I decided that after I had my second child, I was going to leave agencies, which was a big decision having that, you know, that was my career love. Um, But I'd lost so much confidence that I thought I can't possibly set up anything relating to marketing because I'm just no good at marketing and what 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 am I thinking, you know? So I, my first business, which I set up, 12 years ago was a kid's hip-hop dance company (laughs) I love it I loved learning that about you I was like oh I can't wait to hear more (laughs) um not as random as it might first sound basically in my most recent role I had worked on the uh, social marketing side for the government looking into how to reduce antisocial behavior amongst children and young people Mm. and 
a couple of the key findings that was a big two year long project and a couple of the key findings were that young people need an activity that they love or a really strong role model or preferably both so mm -hmm. I thought ah, I could provide this uh, with my kids hip hop dance company and that's what I did so I ran that business right up until the pandemic um, and then made the decision to close very quickly once mm -hmm. once lockdown began um, and five years into that business I had grown in confidence again and realized hey I don't even know how to dance but mm -hmm. the way that I've grown this business is by using my marketing skills so maybe I can help people with their marketing again so that's when I started this business in 2017. Uh, I, I'm, I'm stuttering because that you said something amazing there that you didn't dance, but you, you grew a hip hop dance company. <laughs> no wonder your confidence grew. That's amazing. So, so it's like you went to something that you had no experience in foregoing what you did have experience in, which then gave you the confidence to go back to. Doesn't it sound, doesn't that sound crazy when you break it down like that? It does, but that's what it took. I don't think it sounds crazy. I think it sounds so interesting uh, because <laughs> you talked about the psychology, you loved learning the psychology of why people buy. And so this is essentially the psychology of how people um, enter into business, how they succeed. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I do think marketing is absolutely crucial to your success. And that's mm. why I'm so passionate about teaching other women who don't feel confident in marketing, that they can develop these skills as well. Yeah. So tell me more about that, because that's essentially, that's exactly what you did. So how does, what does that look like when you're, when you work with clients? So I deliver training programs and courses and I have a business accelerator and really at the crux of it, it is breaking down. I'm not a fan of jargon. I'm not a fan of uh, BS, <laughs> making assumptions. I'm a fan of getting really granular and getting your hands dirty. And I have this phrase, I call it going detective mode. And that's yeah. what you need to do. You need to go detective mode in your own business. Mm -hmm. Or if you're just starting out, you need to go detective mode and find out as much as you possibly can about the industry that you're trying to grow in, the competitors who are already there, the way yeah. people are doing things that's smart that you could take and put your own twist on. And of course, you have to go detective mode and find out as much as you possibly can about the people that you want to try and sell things to and try and, like you say, understand that psychology and what's going to get them to that tipping point where they go from being, first of all, aware of you and, and what you're offering, then interested, potentially mm -hmm. curious, and then you've got to get them to that tipping point where they're actually going to convert into a buyer and of course, depending on what industry you're in and what it is you're selling, what the price point is, that's going to take varying lengths of time, isn't it, to get them to that point. But yeah. all the time, they'll be giving you clues about what they want from you, what they want to hear about, what value you can offer them along the way to help them along that journey. And ultimately, how you can package up what they need in a way that is attractive to them so that you can give them what they need. So it's a great two-way transaction. Oh, you, you dive into this in a deeper way than I think I've ever heard anybody else articulate fully. 
Oh. And <laughs> so I'm, <laughs> I'm so fascinated. This whole idea of detective mode seems beyond, well beyond the sort of standard of understanding marketing. Is that... Is well, that- I just think we've always got something to learn. And particularly in times when maybe you're not making those sales that you need to make. There is information that is going to tell you why if you pay yeah. close attention. So, of course, you've got your your insights on your social media. You've got mm. all sorts of clever things that you can do with email marketing, like putting specific links in asking people to answer questions. So we worked on this recently with a client where they're selling tickets to an event and Mm -hmm. they had had some people who had clicked the sales page and not bought. And so we created a whole email sequence around, we know that you've been on the sales page. We don't, we don't mean to freak you out, but (laughs) we know you've been hanging around Um, and we'd love to know why. And then we had a list of objections you know, is it price? Is it too far away to book? Is the location difficult to get to? You know, all those things. And then you can monitor what people, I mean, we're going into a lot of detail here about a very specific example, but I do love an example to learn from. I do Um, too. I was going to ask you for one. So this is perfect. Oh, great. (laughs) (laughs) And then obviously people will click the one that's most relevant to them what their biggest objection is and then off the back of that you can look at who has clicked what and then this is the next stage that we're working on right now which is crafting some generic responses okay so everybody who's clicked price will get this paragraph in the email response and then have they given us any other information so they had the opportunity after they'd clicked to say you know what else would you need would need to happen to persuade you to come to this event and so maybe they've said oh actually I'm not ready to come to in-person events it would be great if you were doing this hybrid so then we can put in a paragraph that says by the way did you know that we we are doing a hybrid event so if you're not ready to come then you can buy your virtual ticket and we have special things going on for virtual attendees so you can be Mm -hmm. really 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 targeted and you can understand exactly what the problem is and why they haven't got to that tipping point where they're converting into a customer because they've told you. And then the trick is to carry on that conversation without it being forced, but just in a very, you know, I was going to say friendly, friendly might not be the right tone of voice for everybody, but in this Mm -hmm. example, friendly, non-pushy, reassuring tone making sure they have all of the information so they can make an informed choice. Right. So what do you think holds people back from realizing they can go to this level of, uh, to this degree of like investigation? Is it lack of awareness or is it just maybe fear that that's too intrusive? What do you think? There definitely is a bit of fear, 100%, because when I teach this to people, there is a bit of pushback around, oh, I'm not sure I'd feel comfortable. And that is everybody's individual, you know, threshold. You will know what's right for you in terms of your business and and how granular you want to get. But honestly, I think it's because of my background as a brand strategist. This is how I've been trained to think right the way back to the days when I was studying And if you can learn to think this way, then you will start to apply it automatically to every situation. And you just be really curious. I love to be curious. 
Yeah. So are you essentially teaching your clients how to be curious, how to investigate so that they can actually get their clients to that tipping point? That's a great way of summarizing it, actually. Phase one is encouraging people to be more curious. And then phase two is teaching them how they can use that curiosity and how they can feed that curiosity, actually, to, to find the answers yeah. that they need. So that we're going to teach you how to feed the curiosity and not feel weird about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to the level that you feel okay about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I want to then go into a bit of how you got to where you were aside from the, the actual, you know, step-by-step of what, of what got you to this, to your own company. Mm. What was that like for you developing and how did that journey feel to you? So I touched on it earlier, but when I was an employee, I, you know, agency life is is not great for women in general it's not even too far away from mad men if you've seen that <laughs> I oh. don't think <laughs> I mean there's nobody smoking in the office anymore but you know <laughs> there's yeah, yeah it, it it's it, there are still a huge huge percentage of board positions are filled by men etc etc mm-hmm. as in lots of industries but I do think it's particularly pervasive in the advertising industry so yeah. that is standard um, I'm afraid still Um, but on top of that I also um, I suffered uh, an ectopic pregnancy uh, while I was at work well while I was employed and it went on for two weeks nobody could diagnose it nobody knew what was going on Um, you know in and out seeing doctors hospital blah 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 nobody could work out what it was and it went on for so long that it ruptured and um so I was at work for two weeks barely able to work really because I was in so much pain and I was working on a specific pitch brief and I just couldn't really get my thoughts together at all this was this was the day that I was then hospitalized and it ruptured and nearly died so I'm working on this pitch brief and I eventually just thought I I literally can't do this anymore. So I went into my boss's office, handed over my work, um, the document that I was working on, you know, pen and paper it was back then, and um, said, this is not, this is not my best work. (laughs) I'm sorry. Uh, He knew by this point that I'd been ill for a couple of weeks. Nobody knew what was going on and said, I'm in so much pain. I have to go home now. I'm really sorry. Um, And so he said okay fine uh took the took the document and then I was hospitalized I'd lost so much blood because it ruptured that I was then off work for three months to try and because they like to try and help you build up your own blood supply again rather than give you a transfusion if they possibly can so Mm -hmm. that's what I did lay literally on my couch uh eating spinach (laughs) trying to build up those red <laughs> know, blood cells <laughs> yeah. um and eventually went back to work three months later and I had a return to work interview with my boss and he said you know Nikki this uh this brief that you were working on it was really substandard and I said yeah 
I know. <laughs> I remember telling you <laughs> yeah, that on the way out the door. Yeah. <laughs> um, Before I almost died. Remember yeah. that part when I almost died? <laughs> and I said, you are talking about the brief that I was writing on the day that I was hospitalized and almost died. And he said, everybody has off days. And I thought, I can't work for you. I can't, I can't work in this industry. I can't work for you. I can't do this job. I need to get out of here. So fortunately, although I'd lost a fallopian tube, I was still able to get pregnant a few months later. And just that was my exit strategy. I uh, had my daughter, never went back after maternity leave. Um, and so it really destroyed my confidence in the industry. It destroyed my confidence in myself. And it took me a long, long time to recover from that. But starting my first business, that was my recovery, I feel. Yeah. I learned so much from growing that business because we all go into business clueless, don't we? For As a first-time yeah. business owner, yeah. we have no we idea what lies ahead. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was my... That was my recovery, my building up my confidence again, and my learning how to be a better business person because I'd never been a business person before. I'd always been employed. Yeah. So when you became a business person and were developing your confidence, um, were you able to, did you feel like that also brought the healing needed from, because that's a traumatic experience. It was, it was. Yeah. my sense of self is very closely connected to whatever work I'm doing so I think most of us are the same um I put so much into my work Mm -hmm. and if it doesn't pan out or I don't feel like I've done the great job that I was trying to do it really really affects me um, yeah. So being able to grow this business from nothing, from one teacher teaching one class a week to 40 teachers teaching classes all over Scotland and providing employment, providing amazing classes, having long term customer loyalty, all of those things, 100 percent without having done that business I wouldn't have been able to start this marketing business because I needed that confidence boost and I needed to learn that I was capable of doing that right so then when you started this business now and had Mm -hmm. that confidence um what was what felt different for you and then what challenges surprised you between the two or how the second one how it was different interesting question that's what I aim for (laughs) (laughs) nailed it nailed it I'm struggling to answer (laughs) um what surprised me between the two um I think what surprised me really pleasantly was the amount of goodwill that there was as soon as I started this business because the dance company was obviously a local business you know, we had locations all over Scotland eventually, but it started in Edinburgh. And so I built up a community of families who had watched this business grow. And lots of them were business owners, lots of those mums were business owners. And so when Mm -hmm. I started this business, there was this kind of swell of support where people were saying, 
oh, Nikki, she knows how to run businesses. We've seen her do it herself, which I, that was really, upset. Oh, sorry, start that again. Um, that made me feel really proud because yeah. I had proven that not only did I know how to market other people's businesses, I'd actually got my hands dirty and I'd been in the trenches, if that's not too many <laughs> um analogies describe the same thing analogies thank you <laughs> I got you I got yes you. <laughs> so that surprised me um another thing that surprised me was that the trajectory for growth was pretty similar even though I had already grown a business for five years by that point it still took me the first three years to get to that £100,000 turnover, it doesn't really matter what you're doing, I don't think. You yeah. still need to give yourself time and that that space and that runway before you put yourself under a lot of pressure. Um, another thing that surprised me, honestly, was how difficult it is to run two businesses at one time. <laughs> <laughs> so did you think it was going to be like, no big deal, because yeah. they're already running? Oh, yeah. yeah, because we have all the time in the world, right? <laughs> Oh, we super do. Yes. Especially when we're moms. Yes. Yes. <laughs> going to work out. We can totally pick up the kid who suddenly got sick at school. <laughs> and- yeah, exactly. We can juggle yeah. all of the balls. doesn't matter how many. <laughs> Chuck me another one. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it did. It did surprise me how difficult I find it to run both businesses simultaneously. And I mentioned that I made the decision quickly to close the dance company that was a heart-wrenching decision but I could see most of our income came from schools and nurseries we also ran birthday parties we lost tens of thousands of pounds overnight Um, and I could see all we were left with we we had seven revenue streams we were left with one uh, which was running our on our classes where parents bring their kids along in person running them online and obviously that only works for certain age groups as well and you know people were at first you could see the decline people were so so supportive it was amazing and we retained about 90% of those customers 95% I think in that first month and Mm -hmm. then the second month that's when the this was May by then that's when the emails started coming in I've been put on furlough I don't know what's happening with my job you know I don't know what's happening with my business and it was just so difficult to see everybody going through all these these different things and also to see my business just going into decline like free fall so I think we were down to about 80% that month and then 60% the following month and I was like enough I can't do this and I could see like previously prior to the pandemic I could have had a teacher going to up to six different classes in a day wearing the same uniform, using the same props, obviously doing their best to clean them. But I could see there was absolutely no way that was going to be allowed again for a very, very long time. And it wasn't. It wasn't for two years. So yeah. I it was a very difficult decision. Awful. Had to make people redundant. It's probably the worst thing I've been through, which yeah. might sound crazy given what we've been discussing so far. No, no, it, 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 really does. Awful. <laughs> yeah. it doesn't sound uh, crazy. It doesn't. Um. But once I came out the other side of that and I I had amazing support from my husband, thank goodness I'd employed an HR company. I had phenomenal support from them, but a lot of sleepless nights, as you can imagine. Um, but once I came out of the other side of that, 
being able to focus purely on my marketing company and how I could support other business owners to quickly pivot online, to start their own programs, to basically become, I don't want to say not pandemic proof, but to become modernized and with the efficiencies and systems and processes and offerings to be honest offerings I mean pivot was the word of the year was it not in 2020 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So funny. being able to focus on that and see the really quick impact that I could have on other entrepreneurial women's businesses and help them survive in this new world it really things really took off at that point and that's when I realized hey I will never run two businesses at the same time again <laughs> <laughs> and you were like thank you self for making yes. that decision <laughs> yes for sure oh wow so no more pandemic issues thank thank god That's what was keeping you up at night then. Is there anything keeping you up at night now within business? So I don't think that we're over all the changes. I don't know about you, but I feel Mm -hmm. things are still changing at a rate of knots. I agree. Obviously, we're we're over the most of the physical symptoms or, or the health symptoms it's still kicking around isn't it I know there's a spike where I'm living right now um mm. but hopefully we're over the level of seriousness that we were in um but the knock-on effect I mean I'm obviously based in the UK and <laughs> I don't know I don't even want to know what the rest of the world is thinking when they look at the UK right now because believe me we're thinking it too <laughs> we do make jokes about it since you know yeah. we're we're back and forth between the UK and here and <laughs> yes but same yeah. here same here we're, we're a bit of a shit show <laughs> yeah yeah I'm glad you said it <laughs> I wasn't yeah. sure if I should oh um, you go right ahead <laughs> I will agree with you so yeah Obviously, the economic crisis, this surge in people trying to do business online, also this surge in people doing doing online coaching and and teaching people what to do, who sometimes shouldn't quite honestly be teaching people these things because they maybe don't have the experience or the lived experience to back these things up or you know maybe they're maybe they've got a cookie cutter approach where they're telling everyone oh you need to create recurring monthly income actually have you looked at their business this is not going to work for them Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's nothing wrong with not having recurring if that's not right for you and so on so I do still think that we're kind of we're not in the eye of the storm but we're certainly still swirling around and so it doesn't keep me up at night. It keeps me excited. It keeps me curious to go full circle back to where we started, but it it keeps me curious. I want to always try and be on the front foot. I need to know what's going on. Obviously in marketing, things change Mm -hmm. at a huge rate. Um, So every day there can be something new to get your head around. And I want to make sure that I'm as fully informed as possible. Um, 
I do think that there is a move coming, a movement away from social media. I do think it started already. I, I can see that continuing. So I want to make sure that I'm fully educated myself. Obviously, it's a very long time since I studied traditional advertising. Uh, yeah. And I've been working in marketing since and I've been using it. But we've got to challenge ourselves as marketers to stay ahead of our customers so that we are always giving the best possible advice. So yeah. I think that search engine optimization and my great love email marketing are going to yeah. be more important than ever going into 2023. Oh, that I feel like we should frame that right there. That is a beautiful way to sort of land this plane with that fact that especially um, after stating that you notice that maybe that trend away from social media is happening. So I feel like your curiosity is such a gift um, for your clients. And obviously it lends itself to your ability to give them the results that they need. So I want to make sure people can find you and find you easily. Can you tell oh, thank you. where to track you down to work with you? Absolutely. So my website is Nikki with one K Hutchison, the Scottish way, H-U-T-C-H-I-S-O-N. I always have to spell both my names. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's annoying. <laughs> it's missing. There's just missing letters. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that is my website, NikkiHutchison.com. I also have my agency site. So on my website, you'll find my programs and courses and my accelerator for entrepreneurial women. Then mm -hmm. on the agency website, that is enjoymarketing.agency. That's where you will find information about our done for you marketing services. If you would like to chat to us about doing some of your marketing for you, that's the place to go. Or if mm -hmm. you would like to hire me to speak, that kind of thing. Um, and I love to hang out on Instagram. I'm at Nikki Hutchison. Wonderful. Well, Nikki, this has been such a pleasure. I've had a, a great time talking to you. Thank you for your time and for the knowledge that you shared. I just, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for inviting me on to share my story, Katie. I've really enjoyed oh, it. Oh, good. You're welcome. Hey, Katie. Yeah, Mark? Want to do an outro? I sure do. Sweet. Hey, thank you so, so much for listening and making it to the end. Yay, you. So what happens next? Uh, we ask them the things that podcasters are supposed to ask at the end of an episode. Can you please rate, review, download? Subscribe. Mm. Yeah. But why is it important? Because that's how our podcast gets noticed. That's how people find us. It is, and we want all their earballs. <laughs> all the earballs all over the place. We do. Nice. Yeah, so please do all those things. We'll be ever so grateful. And then more people hear your beautiful voice. Or yours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See you next time. Bye.